Can we change the way we produce food to both meet the needs of humans whilst regenerating our soils and ecosystems? And can we do so in a way that improves the financial viability of farms? These questions are becoming increasingly urgent to answer, and we're here to investigate a promising technique called agroforestry in order to find out how it can help us with these challenges. We'll be interviewing farmers, scientists, and other experts to share with you their experiences, practical advice, and scientific research. Hello, and welcome to the Regenerative Agroforestry Podcast. I'm your host, Dimitri, and today we, had, we have the immense pleasure of interviewing Francis Bucay, who is a farmer, consultant, author, as well as owner of the company Gallego. So I wanted to talk to Francis because after reading his book, I was very much inspired by his understanding of agronomy and how he is really going into a lot of depth into the science behind agroecological systems, looking at how soil functions. And one of the things that really came out in, in all of these in his book and, and all of the concepts that he that he talks about is the importance of of having a healthy soil system based on fungi and lignin. Now, of course, in agroforestry, this is very pertinent. It's extremely interesting. And agroforestry can serve as a source of this lignus material. But on top of that, what, what really is, is, is becoming clearer and clearer to me is that, you know, agroforestry will only have an impact on an agricultural system if we first start dealing with the soil health. And Francis will go into a lot of depth with this, talking about this. And I really hope that you enjoy this interview. Hello, Francis, and welcome on the podcast. Yes, thank you, Dimitri, for welcoming me and for having invited me. <laughs> no, it was uh, an absolute uh, pleasure to have you on here. And uh, we usually start with our guests with an introduction um, as to, you know, how they got into farming and, you know, how they got to where they, where they are right now. So it'd be great if you could tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, just to give you um, uh, some uh, hints uh, about me, uh, I am at first a farmer. That, that is to say I farm uh, about uh, 600 hectares in the center of France and um, mainly with uh, arable crops. But in fact, there, there are many, many species from hemp uh, up to corn and uh, winter wheat, winter barley, uh, sunflowers, uh, grain sorghum, uh, and, and so on. And, and also 100 uh, hectares of grasses, of patches, because uh, up mm -hmm. to uh, recent times I had a herd of goats. And uh, finally, on my own farm, I, I got aware that some, I, I would say, perhaps not Problems. I don't like the word problems, but some limiting factors were appearing: soil compaction, decrease of humus. Uh, to speak uh, about the main uh, challenges I had to face, and then I began to try to understand what was happening, what, why the global fertility was slowly decreasing. The soils are not dead. They are never dead. They can be sick, but they are not dead. And uh, after many searches, many trials on my own farm, I got aware that there were two limiting factors. First, the mineral balance. The mineral balance is so important. Up to now, 
uh, it was dealt with only from an analysis and from the pH and three elements, N, P, and K. It was not enough. I will come back to this point if necessary. The second limiting factor, the second bottleneck, uh, is the mineral balance. And that's why I began to bear interest to the forest, to forestry. Because in our Western Europe countries, sure, the climax, that is to say the natural vegetation, the natural plants, is forest. And I began to look at what was happening inside the, the forest. And what was a striking, and uh, mainly in, in this season, which is autumn, you have many, many fungi, mushrooms. I like mushrooms. But in my <laughs> fields, there were some, there were even many 50 or 60 years ago when I was young. And now, you never see mushrooms. Something happened. So it was the beginning of my searches, of my trials. And uh, uh, if necessary, uh, we will deep more in details uh, to speak about uh, these points. And nice. one, one last point. Well, uh, I, I began also to work as a consultant to give advice I, after uh, understanding some points let's be modest <laughs> let's be modest <laughs> so after understanding some points I, I thought I could share some ideas some tracks to follow uh, with my fellow farmers uh, and finally I began to travel all around the world uh, in America, North America, South America, all over Europe, also uh, sometimes in, uh, in Africa, uh, one time in New Zealand and Australia, uh, just to share what I knew, but also uh, to learn, to learn and to learn and still to learn from other scientists, farmers. And uh, I, I began to get aware that... Uh, uh, advice was not enough. Uh, I, I had to go absolutely further because sometimes I, I told people, oh, you should use such a stuff, such material, such fertilizer, such trace elements. And they came back to me while telling, oh, but I, I can't find it. My distributor has not this rare <laughs> material. Uh, and that's why I came to the conclusion I had to make my the products which were ideal to balance again the soils. And uh, I created a, a company which is devoted to this work of making, of manufacturing my special recipe. Uh, and this uh, company is called Gayago. I created in 2014. And now uh, uh, it's a company uh, uh, with uh, 50 people uh, and uh, we are now working all over Europe and uh, we have uh, also some uh, 
intentions <laughs> to go beyond Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Very nice. I, I would not say in a few words, in uh, many sentences, I explain uh, <laughs> who I am and where I come from. <laughs> Very, very nice. And I, I mean, are you a farmer? Is are you a, a farmer from? Is your family farming for multiple generations? How did you come into it in the first place? Oh, yes. Uh, all my family uh, is in farming, farming uh, in industry. Uh, my father mm. was a small farmer in Normandy. And he, he decided to move to the center of France just to find a, a bigger uh, farm. You know, it was very difficult uh, at the time. It, it was in the 70s to, to find the land in Normandy uh, at this time. And uh, uh, when he decided that, uh, I was not at all ready to go, to come back on the farm. You know, uh, uh, I had... Uh, I, um, I had a, a diploma uh, in translation in English. <laughs> uh, okay. I had a, a, a diploma for literature <laughs> and for some economics. And uh, I have just been hired uh, with a, for, by a bank, uh, French uh, uh, International Trade Bank, Banque Française okay. du Commerce Extérieur. And... Okay. Uh, Exactly the day where uh, I, I had to join this bank, my dad, my daddy had a heart attack. And uh, of course, uh, I had to assist him, to support him. And I told him, oh, don't care. I will replace you for a few days or a few weeks. <laughs> and finally, he never really recovered. And uh, mm. I was uh, really thrown uh, in uh, farming without being uh, able to swim in, in this new, almost new space for me. But I, I have to tell you something which is very positive in this story. Uh, what is positive is the fact that I did not know what I should have thought And I did not know what it was forbidden to, to, to think. So, uh, of course, I could uh, use the tracks I found. And I read, I read, I read many, many books, uh, English, many uh, English written uh, books. And uh, I found so many wonderful, wonderful thoughts, uh, agronomic approaches, Uh, in in the U.S., in Australia, in India, Pakistan, uh, a Chinese, Russian, the Russian school, the agronomic Russian school is absolutely wonderful in Cuba and so on. So I I got aware that there were so many, so many, so many uh, bright ideas which uh, were uh, unexplored. Uh, unexploited, I, I should say, which existed, but which were unexploited. And it, it's very surprising. We have here the proof. We have many ways of communicating. We have internet. We, we have ma many uh, social networks and so on. And nevertheless, the knowledge doesn't 
go very easily and uh, is subjected absolutely to the culture, the culture of peoples, the, the habits of farmers, the pressure of agrochemicals, uh, mm. the legislation, which doesn't always understand why they impose such or such regulation. Uh, they think it would be useful. Sometimes it's counterproductive. When they say you have to put your slurry deep inside the soil, but they don't understand anything. It should be left on the ground to be simply sterilized by the UV light. It should be um, uh, cleaned by the, by the sun and it should be reoxygenated. And if they say you have to dig it into the soil, they think only on uh, uh, disturbances for the noise, uh, for the nose. Uh, only, it's just for the, the nose of the neighbors, but it's not for nature. So uh, I began really to think someone somewhat differently. That, that's my, my story and why I came to the point where I am now, nowadays. I, I can't help myself to ask the question about your, you know, when you're talking about culture and some of the challenges, uh, the belief systems that, that are preventing people from, create chain, from creating change. Um, what about you and the fact that you didn't have an engineer, an agricultural engineer as you have in France uh, degree? Was that ever limiting to you in, in your communication and in, your, in the way that you managed to interact as a consultant? Oh, uh, of course it's very important, uh, an important question, because we have a certain need to overcome uh, this difficulty of communication. And uh, we, we have bright people uh, who, who made uh, studies. They, they know things I don't know. <laughs> they, they use Excel uh, uh, tool <laughs> much better than I, I do myself. And, but I, I think uh, the very young generation is evolving. But in my own company, uh, I, I have just hired very young agronomists, bright people. But I get where uh, we have still to, to try to transfer another point of view. Mm. That is to say, uh, if I speak only about pH, you know, acidity, I have just to explain then that an alkaline soil doesn't mean you have enough calcium. Because alkalinity uh, can be caused by uh, too much sodium, too much potassium, too much magnesium. And I, I found very acidic soils which had already too much calcium. So I have just to explain that. That is to say, it's a question of mind mapping. 
but I believe very much in the power of communication. And uh, one of my job is to try to communicate. That's why I wrote a book. That's why I, I try to uh, to uh, speak common sense language, common sense, not pure scientific work. You know, it's a secret. I, I will give you a secret. I asked to science direct uh, to, to, to be accepted in the network of scientists. I gave all what I did my own book and so on, and the conclusion, you are not a scientist. I am sad, not for my own pride. <laughs> it's not a problem of, not, of my own pride. But I think what you are lacking, really, is not scientists. We have brilliant scientists, but people who are able to put together again everything which is known to make again an agro-system. Because an agro-system is very complex and we need many, many specialists, many uh, technicians, many people who go very, very deep in the knowledge of mechanisms. But at a time, you absolutely need a very good generalist who put that uh, again all together. And mm. I am, I think, I am a good generalist. Apparently, a generalist is not um, a scientific. That's uh, quite quite sad to hear. But um, I have to say that. Um... I'm happy you introduced your book and if you hadn't, I would have explained to our listeners how enthusiastic I was about reading your book, which is in front of me right now, because I I really, really appreciated the, um, how you were discussing about breaking apart from some of the ideas that we carry in agroecology and in regenerative agriculture and looking going a bit deeper. In the sense, not taking, for example, no-till as an end in itself, but at one of, as one of the means to an end, in order, as one of our tools that can have its own limits. And so I really appreciated how it made me you know, think of things in a non-dogmatic way and, and to also understand the complexity and the nuance of each of these techniques that you know, we sometimes have a tendency to hail as, as, a, as, a, as an almighty solution to some of our agricultural problems. Um, and so I really advise, it's in French and I, I, is there an English translation? Not yet. Oh, really. it's, uh, <laughs> it has been decided the last week and uh, um, it will be translated. Uh, very nice. It will be translated. I, I think it could be useful and uh, I will make some uh, addendums, you know, because okay. I, I think for uh, the English speaking uh, people, uh, some references, um, maybe uh, will not be very uh, uh, parlant. Will not be uh, so very pertinent, in, so relevant. Relevant, yes, exactly. Uh, I fear they they will not be relevant. So, uh, mm -hmm. but from a technical point of view, and uh, 
uh, absolutely. I, I will stick to what I already uh, wrote. Uh, and uh, if the, even after a few months, I don't re- regret many lines. <laughs> very nice. So I, I, I think that's going to be very exciting. And if anybody's listening, it's a book that one of the most interesting books I've read recently on agriculture. So um, I highly advise it. And actually, um, I think it's a good way to get into the core of the topic, which was uh, uh, agronomy. Because one of the things that you said in the book was, you know, the soil organisms don't like to eat salad. And I, I, it's one of the lines in the book. And of course, it needs to be put into context. But basically, and that kind of that was one of the things that started, you know, that was already making me think because I hadn't quite realized that how, you know, we talk a lot about cover crops, but depending on how we use cover crops, we may not be reaching the objectives that we're looking for. And I, I would love it if you could a bit explain to us how that works and you know, what are some of the current mistakes that we're making with cover crops? And that's naturally going to lead us into the soil fertility question. Uh, the, the, you know, uh, even agriculture uh, doesn't uh, uh, avoid or e- escape uh, the what is fashionable. Uh, there are fashionable ideas. And now it's uh, the, the reward is given to the guy who uh, doesn't till at all, no times, no discs, nothing. <laughs> and uh, we we go from one extreme to another one. Uh, mm. And uh, um, uh, of course, what, what, that's what is striking for me. Uh, I, I was dealing, I, I give another example, which is not in the book. I, I have to... To, to give so, something else, or otherwise, we'll, <laughs> otherwise we will be boring. <laughs> I will be boring. We will be bored. <laughs> By uh, uh, I, I was a, a speaking uh, to very very big vine growers uh, this same morning, and he, he told me he has a problem of salinity. You know, too much salt in the soil. And of course, he was told you have to put gypsum, what he did, and cover crops. But I looked deeper in details. What happens just because of the co- the cover crops? He uh, he has been growing now for uh, six or seven years. The salinity is worst, worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't understand why. But we have only to think about the fluxes, the flow, flows, you know, of the nutrients. And when uh, you have evapotranspiration, which is much higher than leaching, than the rain, the rainfall, then, of course, the the salts will come back to the surface just through the capillarity. And he told me uh, I had some small problems five or six years ago, but now uh, I, I, I thought having corrected everything through agrobiology, uh, regenerative agriculture, and, and so on. But I told him, what you did is exactly the opposite uh, of what you should have done. Why? Because during the winter rains, 
you have a cover crop which evaporates. So the water which should uh, take the salt down finally doesn't do its work just because we, we have the, the use of this water by the surface, by the plants, by the cover crop. And then you have an accumulation. And he, he, he told me the cover crops is uh, poorer and poorer, is uh, smaller and, and smaller. So, you, you know, the, the, the world which tells uh, the hell is paved with good intentions. So in agronomy, <laughs> it's also true. <laughs> it's also true. We, we have always to think about the agro-system, what is really happening. And uh, that's why sometimes my conclusion, I, I are not fashionable. <laughs> they, they are not fashionable. And sometimes I tell people, you have a steel to plow. <laughs> mm. So it, it's curious in these times, but I have to tell them, yes, it's a way to, to cure, uh, to maintain your soil at the upper level because uh, you have no biology, you have not the roots of trees which do that and that and that. And so you have to replace one uh, uh, pivotal ID, you know, is the following one. When you are cultivating a soil, you have to just to understand that before man appeared, certainly it was a forest. And the only questions to be asked is which functions have been weakened or destroyed through deforestation. Perhaps, maybe mm. it can be the fungal population. Maybe it's the fact that the roots of the trees are able to catch water even at 20, 30, or 40 meters deep. So it's, it can be, uh, I, I would say, an ecological help to pump and to irrigate because you replace simply a function which disappeared because of deforestation. And in many, many... Uh, environmentalist uh, head, uh, you have not to irrigate, you have not to do anything. But it, it's not fair towards the nature because nature had many, many possibilities. But uh, of course, you deprive it of the means uh, which uh, it had before deforestation. So it's a question of responsibility. Uh, since uh, you deprive this uh, ecosystem from some means, and trees are so powerful means, uh, it's an obligation, a moral obligation, to replace these functions which have been weakened. You know, what I tell you is very important, I, I think. When you look at uh, agro-system with these eyes, uh, you begin to think that maybe glyphosate, for example, is perhaps not the main problem. The main problem is perhaps 
the goats, <laughs> which uh, heat <laughs> the grass very short, and uh, you have uh, sun-dried uh, pastures uh, all over the summer while the trees are green uh, in, in the forest, uh, while these uh, trees are evaporating, they are giving back uh, water in the atmosphere. And I, I go beyond. I, I think I explain it in, in my book on the leaves, on the canopy, on the phylosphere. There are millions and millions of, of small bacteria which are uh, taken uh, by the winds, the whirling winds, you know, uh, uh, whenever there is a storm, and then they go in the clouds. Uh, and once these uh, very small bacteria uh, are in the clouds, uh, they are the kernel of the future drops of water. That is to say, the very small droplets uh, of a stream of the clouds uh, aggregate uh, around the bacteria, and once the critical weight is reached, then the droplet falls. But you have, you need absolutely uh, vegetation canopy during the winter. So an irrigated corn, even if it is irrigated, it can make sense. It can be ecological. It can be ecological if you think only you restore the functions which have been weakened by the deforestation. It's uh, certainly another view, and I tell exactly the same about the sugar beets. <laughs> and for mm -hmm. everybody, for everybody, sugar beet, it's a sheet, you know, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. sheet. Mm -hmm. uh, really, it's the worst <laughs> thing uh, on the planet because it's uh, industrial crop and so on. But if I uh, give you a, a, another point of view, uh, it's uh, still uh, more adapted uh, to the change of the climate. Just because this plant is uh, uh, grows on two years, you know, the first year is to, for the the root, and the second year it's flowers and it's for the seeds. Under the first year, and that's what is interesting for the sugar beet gr grower. There is no um, uh, key stages for the sugar beet. That is to say, even if this plant is lacking water for two months, it's not a problem. Its potential is not at all damaged. It's not damaged at all. Uh, and uh, when it, the, the, the rain comes back again, then the growth uh, starts again. And uh, uh, it's wonderful because it has a, a very, very deep uh, rooting system uh, first. And uh, it, it, it can overcome a draft without an, uh, any problem. So when I hear uh, organic winter wheat, uh, it's wonderful, the solution. No, it's not true. From an ecological point of view, it's crazy, absolutely crazy because most winter wheat uh, takes absolutely 
I would say, two herbicides, at least, between um, one and three fungicides, and uh, some years, one insecticide. Corn, nothing. Only one or two herbicides, but no fungicide, no growth regulator, no, nothing else. You, you understand what I mean? So uh, when I told you that uh, I did not know uh, what I was allowed and what I was forbidden to think, <laughs> that's the result of my free thinking. Yeah, naturally. Very interesting. And uh, I mean, I, and I know that in the book, you go in a lot more detail explaining all of these things. And uh, it's worth it because you put lots of graphs and lots of uh, illustrations as well to to assist us to understand in more detail what you mean there. But for me, it, it, you know, it makes me think of the idea that for farmers, it, it can be quite it can be quite challenging to have to manage their operations. And on top of that, gain such a uh, an in-depth, holistic understanding of all of the mineral flows, the the water flows, the carbon cycle, and everything. To how how do you advise farmers to start to really gain a grasp of of this reality without necessarily having to depend on a consultant? Is, is it even possible? Oh, uh, you are absolutely right. It's uh, it's not that simple, and. Uh, it can be challenging, of course, to face uh, such a change. And my advice is to go uh, from a step to another step. Just not to run any risk. Uh, a, a farmer, he, of course, he is uh, also um, a manager of, uh, of an industry, of a uh, uh, of a company, uh, and he, he has uh, liabilities, responsibilities towards his farm workers. He, he has uh, some, and uh, his uh, family, his wife, children. Uh, we have uh, all, also to pay for uh, the studies of, of your children. So, of course, <laughs> it, it it can uh, look uh, like being. Uh, uh, very distant from agronomy, but you have to think absolutely about all that when you give some advice, because th there are consequences behind. And so my advice is to go step after another step. And my advice is first, have a look uh, at your soil and look at it and the first thing to have a look at is the following one. Is uh, the surface still connected to the deep la la layers? For me, the best uh, definition of a dead soil or of a dying soil is the fact that there is really a border, you know, uh, a pan, a plow pan or a pan uh, between the surface la layers and the deep, the bedrock, you have absolutely to have a steel communication in between. And it's not very complicated to have a look at it, but if there is a pan created by man, that is to say by farm equipment, only farm equipment will solve it 
rapidly. Otherwise, you could have to wait, don't know, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Uh, and if you let uh, trees uh, growing, <laughs> otherwise it will never happen. But it's, it, it, you have time enough uh, to go bankrupt before the plants have solved the, the problem. So I say, <laughs> when I, I see that, I say it's the first step. You have absolutely to, uh, to rip, to subsoil your, 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 your soil. Uh, you, you have not to plow it again, uh, but you have to, uh, uh, to, to subsoil it just to break this pen. And so you have no longer uh, a, a wet soil after heavy rainfall, you know, and you are storing uh, water in the deep layers and the roots can go immediately much, much deeper. So the, it's really the first point, the first step to, to, to follow. So even with my own company, Gayago, which is a commercial company, uh, we can call it commercial, uh, but it's my first advice. I have nothing to sell, but I've, I want absolutely my clients to be satisfied. And mm -hmm. the first economic step is the following one. Yeah, is this one. And uh, uh, what, what is surprising, I, I was myself surprised, and I, I described it in some papers, even in no-till situations uh, with cover crops, you can find very hard pads and sometimes mm. which are still uh, harder than plow pads just mm. because when you have uh, too much uh, moisture uh, water logging in the in the soil then the minerals iron and manganese mainly uh, are reduced chemically reduced and then they are soluble, water-soluble. They go somewhat deeper, and when they find oxygen again, they deposit, mm. you know? And so what was initially only a physics, a question of physics, uh, that is to say a compacted layer, becomes mm. a chemical layer, a chemical cement, you know? with, uh, with uh, iron and manganese as cement between grains of sands, uh, silts, loams, and clay, you know, and it becomes like rock. And uh, I found it e even in these uh, situations of no-till. So the second point, it was the first. Uh, the second point, the chemical balance uh, between calcium and magnesium. Uh, beyond, the, just beyond the pH uh, indicator, uh, these two minerals have a very, very strong action on the physics of, of the soil. That is to say, in a nutshell, uh, magnesium, <laughs> it's a glue, and uh, uh, calcium can aerate, uh, give porosity. And, but we, we have absolutely to get a balance in between. That's why my pH, uh, the pH for me is not an indicator. 
uh, really it's it can be very deceiving you know uh, mm. to follow only the ph uh the the the, the third uh, step uh, and you can believe me when you already did that you still you already see many many bigger changes and you gain confidence in what you are doing and you know uh, uh, by observation but also instinctively that you run less and less risk if you go further and then the third step I absolutely advise the clients who are willing to do it uh, to use uh, one of my recipe, uh, which is commercially called a nutri gel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's and I I, I I close you know the loop <laughs> I opened mm-hmm. <laughs> a few minutes ago. That is to say, we are lacking uh, mushrooms, fungals. You know the, the these fungi with caps. We 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 lack them because they are pivotal. They are uh, the, the the masterpiece uh, of soil biology. And uh, the good news is that the spores of mushrooms uh, are very 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 resistant. They are half life. If I can speak half life about living organisms. Uh, is decades, uh, really decades, because they are protected by a melanin layer, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so they resist uh, the microbial, the bacterial attacks. And even if you don't see them, they are still dormant spores. So what I want to do is to wake them up Mm -hmm. so that they can do their job. I will come uh, if you are willing uh, of the advantages of waking them up because it, it has something to do with agroforestry with agro systems and so on please go ahead <laughs> you don't even need to wait for me go ahead <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> so the main advantages <laughs> I, I give just some advantages uh, of waking up uh, the, the mushrooms uh, they store much more efficiently than anything else on on earth uh, the, the carbon they ca- they are able to to store carbon uh, with an efficiency which will you will never find uh, anywhere else that is to say to to put it in a, in a few words when they intake uh, when they take in carbon they breathe out uh, only 50% of the carbon under the C2 uh, form, you know, the, the, the oxygen uh, carbon. Uh, bacteria, bacteria, they breathe uh, out up to 85%. So if you want to store carbon, that is to say for a farmer to make humus, carbon is you know, just for administration, for authorities, or to get credits, carbon credits. <laughs> but carbon for a farmer, it's humus, it's life, it's humus, humanity, humankind, it's it's life. So if you want life, you need fungal population. Uh, and 
if I just describe one or two more advantages, uh, they produce glomelin and oxalic acids in huge quantities. Uh, glomelin is so recalcitrant to decay that it can last uh, uh, up to uh, 40, 50 years. 40, 50 years for half-life. You imagine the store, the, the carbon which was stored by fungi today will be decayed, used uh, for only 50% in, in 2070. I will be dead. <laughs> <This time. laughs> uh, so imagine, it's very, very efficient. Uh, and uh, you have uh, also a stability. That is to say, they, through the mycelium and globalin, which are soft glues, they are able to resist erosion, wind erosion, water erosion, uh, very, very efficiently. I have many, many, many examples of people who used my solutions with the slopes and even in the same conditions, that is to say the same crop rotation, the same fertilizer and so on and so on, the, the main species, winter wheat and so on, after a heavy rainfall, then you have big ridges on the, with the neighbors when it crosses uh, the, the field of my clients, no ridges at all, at all. That is to say, there was such a rainfall that it it flowed over the field, but without carrying anything, uh, without taking anything from the field itself. It goes out from the field of our clients, then again the ridges. It's a, a absolute incredible. So. Uh, that's what is important. It was the third steps uh, only, and I have fifty-five steps. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, we maybe will have to stop only there. Only two other ones. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. So the the fourth uh, step we have to take <laughs> to take care of the seeds. Uh, once you have looked at your soil. You have absolutely to take care of, of the seeds because that's where everything is initiated. That's where everything begins. That is to say, you know, it's like a children uh, which was born with the microbiology of his or her mother. You know? And this microbiology is inside the instant intestines up to his death unless you take too many antibiotics during your life mm -hmm. otherwise your mother gave you health transmitted to you health and the seeds are not sterile they bear many 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 bacteria, fungal spores, and so on. So they deserve much more than only receiving fungicides and insecticides. 
And that's what I do. Of course, fusarium uh, does uh, exist. Uh, we are, I am the smut, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, in French, le charbon, the, the, the smut uh, does exist. But uh, we can counteract their action uh, only with some molecules, organic molecules, and trace elements, and to favor the beneficial microorganisms which are already on the seeds. On my own observation, you know, when you do it, you can create such a beneficial uh, environment in the spermosphere, that is to say the young rhizosphere. You know, uh, when you have only a, a small sprout uh, around the seed, mm -hmm. then everything begins. And the microbiology, which is there at this starting point, will uh, go ahead uh, with the crops up to the harvest. And I already saw struggles, you know, which uh, had a completely uh, different color when uh, treated this way or not. That gray uh, with fungicides and perfectly bright yellow uh, when you respected the original microbiology which is uh, around the seed. And then, and I will go, go rapidly because I don't want to be <laughs> too long, uh, but uh, uh, I, I will try uh, to give some help to the plant, to the crops, whenever there are some stresses. It can be hail, for example. It can be uh, hail or uh, heat or frost um, 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 and so on. That is to say the abiotic stresses and you have some biotic stresses including the biotic stresses due to the physiology itself of the plant. That is to say when the seed, you know, the seed of, uh, of corn, for example, is empty, uh, then uh, the plant is wind sevré. Uh, 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 winning, I think wind is the right word in English. That is to say, okay. the seed is empty and uh, there is nothing to, to more to, 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 to give to the plant itself. So it has to, to be uh, self-sufficient, you know, and to, uh, the plant has to live absolutely 100% through the uptake of its roots. Uh, at this time, sometimes it makes sense to help it. And uh, just to end the steps, we see if we uh, took care of all these one, first, second, third, fourth step, then the diseases, the insects are much more violent. They are much weaker. They are uh, easy uh, to, to master, to harness. And uh, then only some biocontrol products work. 
in these situations, it does work. Of course, if the the, the agro system, the, the soil is unbalanced, you absolutely need modern, use, useful, uh, uh, efficient, but also dangerous fungicides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, on, on this uh, last point, I take care also of all the microflora, which is on the leaves, on the canopy, on the stems. Uh, at the beginning of our conversation, I told you there are billions and billions and billions of uh, bacteria on leaves. And uh, some are very useful. Very naturally, for example, you have yeasts. That is to say, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Yeah. You know, yeasts. And uh, if you take care of them, uh, first, they don't leave much room for pathogens, for uh, airborne pathogens. They consume, they feed on leaves exudates. So uh, there there is a food competition, you know, between uh, good and bad guys. Uh, And they win it. And for most uh, yeast, for example, they exudate also antibiotics they exudate molecules which help the the, the crops uh, to resist uh, everything which could damage uh, it. So it's the the last point. And what is tricky, you know, of course, for those who are selling bio-solutions, they immediately think of diseases, of insects, and they propose, you know, a natural enemy, natural foe, enemy of uh, such or such parasite um, to sell it. They don't think of health. You have first to build a good, uh, strong, deep rooting system, a soil, a living soil. Um, a good and balanced nutrition uh, uh, of the plant before thinking of uh, striking against uh, insect and uh, fungi, fungal pathogens and so on. And when you do it, then uh, the the farmer, the producer, uh, is more and more conscious that he can go further without running any risk. And it was rather long what I explained, but uh, I could not give you only the titles. Uh, I have, I had absolutely to go more in details for you and those who could listen uh, what I told to understand uh, all, all that. Uh, but uh, when they see that they can go further without running running any risk, really. They cross this uh, apparently dangerous border from one step to another one to another one, and then to and don't begin uh, by the end of the story. Don't begin uh, by biofungicides. Very bad idea. Very bad idea. Begin by your soil.
Very was it clear, uh, Dimitri? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for me, it's uh, it's always uh, important to to you know complete the the idea in the picture, and we're discussing very complex, uh, holistic type thinking, um, and so you know, it's it's also very encouraging to hear these things from uh, a person that has the experience that you have and that works with so many farmers. So uh, you know, there's encouraging solutions out there. But linking things back a bit to to agroforestry. Um, you know, I'm curious to know for you, what is the role of the tree on the farm? How, with, but before we start going into the challenges associated with it, just from an agronomical perspective, you know, what can the tree provide to us and how can it help complete and, and, and meet some of our ecological objectives to create a sustainable agriculture? Oh, uh, agroforestry, uh, for me, is uh, very uh, relevant for the new challenges, is uh, very useful, and for at least two main reasons. If you want, I can find other reasons. <laughs> but the first... <laughs> uh, 55 other reasons. <laughs> I can so find the, 100, I think. <laughs> the, 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 the first the, the, the first reason I, I would say if you want to draw many benefits for uh, from uh, uh, agroforestry I would say is not only mathematics it's also quality I already saw it when you have a century one century or centuries old tree you can be sure this tree met already many 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 challenges insects diseases drought wet storms everything god can uh, offer to us <laughs> and he survived why did he survive Certainly because he developed itself some mechanisms. And in many, many occasions, with the help of some auxiliaries, you know, insects, fungi, and so on. So when you leave it, at least, I would say, some islands, oasis, you know, of these trees, you are absolutely sure to get on your farm a library of the best of what can be done by nature to uh, to protect your farm. So don't think about, oh, how many uh, cubic meters is this uh, tree? It is uh, so... Uh, uh, so, so many uh, hundred or thousand euros uh, worth, so uh, it makes sense to cut it, to plant again uh, new young uh, trees and so on. No, bad calculation. You have absolutely to keep your libraries uh, on, on your farm. Mm. Second point, uh, second ad advantages. Uh, you are absolutely sure that from point to point, you have at least a huge, uh, I, I will 
volume a pit, you know, uh, which connect connects the surface with the bedrock. And so there are still exchanges of minerals and so on, and the way uh, I, I, I could say a motorway <laughs> to drive uh, waters deep in, uh, into the bedrock. So uh, you are absolutely tr- uh, sure that at some uh, places in uh, in your fields on uh, on your farm you have this connection which uh, which is absolutely essential without life without trees these pores these uh, channels will be uh, rapidly uh, filled uh, and so closed and then everything uh, is over game over <laughs> And, uh, the, the, for example, the calcium, which is in the soils, can easily be transformed uh, uh, very rapidly into calcium carbonate, calcites, you know, and it is r- really uh, uh, perfectly, uh, how do you say, fermé hermétiquement, closely uh, Uncrossable uh, seal, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. sealed. Uh, so uh, it's the, the second advantage. Uh, I, I would say, may I add a third point? I said two points. I, I could <laughs> From an agronomic point of view, we we hear so often, you know. Uh, of, uh, in French, BRF, Bois Ramial Fragmenté. I think mm-hmm. in, uh, in English, it's Ramial Ramil, uh, Chipped Wood. Uh, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. yes. I think it's the uh, right w- wording, R-C-Y, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, if I remember well. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it can be these trees, on the on the farm can be a, a source of uh, wood chips, and uh, if you want to favor the fungal populations, if you want to favor the mushrooms, you absolutely uh, to put again lignin, uh, recalcitrant uh, tissues in the agro system because only. Only the mushrooms are able to decay, to heat, uh, and to break uh, the bonds uh, of the lignin uh, because they are equipped with the right enzymes. Bacteria have, have not. They, they, bacteria can break uh, cellulose, but not lignin. Uh, they, they break cellulose in the goat's rumen, you know, they are perfectly able to do it, but not lignin. Uh, so you give uh, uh, an advantage, uh, a competitive advantage to the fungal populations if you spread lignin, if you spread uh, wood chips uh, on your soil. And it's also a way combined with the uh, my recipe, which wakes up the the fungal spores. It's a way also to uh, maintain 
uh, a minimum population on the source. Of course, the what is called the white uh, wood, woods are slightly more efficient. That is to say, those who contains too too much tannins, like oak, uh, for for example, uh, they are not that good. Uh, immediately, that is to say, it mm -hmm. takes time for uh, biology to uh, decay and to uh, really to make good use of the, these very hard and resistant uh, woods uh, species. So my my advice would be to to use poplars, for example, and, and so on. Do all these white uh, helms uh, or all these uh, white uh, woods. Uh, trees. Mm -hmm. Do, does it uh, answer to, to your questions? Definitely, and yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I'm thinking a lot about uh, some of the things you're talking about in your book, um, where you know you're linking also, as you mentioned before, the importance of being able to favor the fungal populations in order to store the humus to be able to store carbon in the soil long term with all of its um, fertility um, benefits. And, and also what one of the things that is talked about a lot, at least in, in, in French agronomy, there's a lot of talk about it is, is the ration du sol. And it's about bringing in that organic matter, enough organic matter per year in order to keep going, or to, 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 to keep the engine, the microbiological um, engine running in order to supply the health um, and the vital functions of the system. To what extent do you think this type of BRF, uh, sorry, uh, ramule chipped wood system could be used in this? To what, how does it fit into the agroecological transition of, of, uh, of our farms? Yes, of course. Uh, it, uh, it makes sense to, to give food, uh, feed to, uh, to the soil bi biology, uh, I, I would uh, sum up it uh, this way. If you have cattle, if you have cows or goats, it's as if you decided to give them only minerals. But no more hay, no more uh, corn silage, no soya, no, no pellets, nothing else than minerals. And uh, sometimes in mm -hmm. our... <laughs> Crop rotations, we give only NPK, uh, ammonitrate, and so on. So it's not enough. Of course, there remains some um, uh, roots. Uh, we, we don't uh, harvest the, the, the roots, uh, except for some crops. But uh, we, we don't harvest the, 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 the roots, so there, there is something remaining. But... The advantage, at, at least of the uh, ramiole, uh, a chipped wood, uh, is that uh, it's another kind of uh, food, of feed. Uh, that is to say, what we give back to the soil oftentimes is too soluble, too digestible, too quick. Uh, uh, too fast. It's fast food. <laughs> so, for our soils, we need slow food. <laughs> Absolutely slow food. Mm. 
uh, and uh, I come back to the pseudo solution uh, behind the cover crops. Oftentimes, it is destroyed before maturity. You know, when they are still young. That is to say, you give back to your soil a diet for, uh, like a diet for uh, pigs uh, or for hens. It's too too fast, too too quick. You have uh, no recalcitrant molecules. You feed only bacteria, not the, the, the fungal population. So, of course, with the cover crops, you have advantages such, such as the protection against erosion. That's absolutely true. You are able to take up uh, the nitrates, which were leaching in the subsoil, and so on. These advantages are absolutely true. But it's not a balanced diet, nevertheless. Uh, in nature, nothing, nothing is uh, left on the soil without being either mature, really mature, or digested by uh, browsing animals like cows or goats. It doesn't exist. But man invented it the, this way of doing. Man is very <laughs> strong intelligent but uh, <laughs> he he lacks uh, modesty and uh, uh, when you reminded me of a diet uh, I, I spoke about a, a diet for the, the soil that's absolutely uh, absolutely true we have to think of a balanced diet to uh, to the soil if you give uh, only uh, greens on only salad. I, I call it salads <laughs> to, to to the soil. Then, uh, of course, there is a microbiology which will adapt, but it will not be necessarily the microbiology which is able to store carbon to make uh, long-living humus for the humus for decades and decades. Absolutely not not true. We have absolutely to think of it. It's not not only a calculation, you know, inputs, outputs. Uh, I take uh, off. I, I know farmers uh, who do this. The straw, uh, the wheat straw or the barley or oats straw has value in some areas in France. So they sell it. They sell it. And they sow a cover crop and they say, no problem. I replace uh, the, the carbon I sold by uh, the, the carbon which is in the cover crops. Very, very bad calculations because it's not mm. the same carbon. It's not the same sugars. I will just take, you know, a, a striking example. There is a... Some, sometimes uh, some uh, in, in some uh, places where you have a tea uh, so uh, 
uh, in a tier uh, room, you know, and, and so on. You those small uh, tips, uh, wood uh, tips, you know, uh, wood uh, sticks uh, mm-hmm. with sugar uh, at the other. Uh, so you, you you see this it, it, so so that you you can move your tea and uh, uh, stir your 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 tea and and so on okay. and, and mm-hmm. to to sweet it to to, to uh, so you 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 mix everything just to give you. An idea. This sugar and the wooden stick have exactly the same CN ratio, carbon nitrogen ratio. That is to say, fifty percent carbon, pure carbon for each the sugar and the wooden stick. Uh, and uh, we have a, a very very uh, little uh, percentage of protein inside. All, of course, the so the CN ratio is around two for uh, uh, one for two thousand. You, you imagine mm-hmm. it's nothing. So the calculation is uh, you, you see the comparison between the straw and the cover crop. It's the same. Uh, you say, oh, it's carbon on carbon. Okay. But really, uh, the sugar on the wood have not the same taste. The taste. It, it doesn't taste the same. And the bacteria, do imagine, and the microbiology, it will not be the same, which will take care mm-hmm. of the sugar and the wooden stick. So this pure administrative calculation with an Excel <laughs> yeah. informatic tool, but it's completely deceiving. I tell, yes, you have to take care of the diet uh, of your soil and don't make any confusion between different sugars. Mm-hmm. There are very, very, very long chains on one side and very short chain on the other side. And the result will not be the same. Uh, so the uh, ramiol uh, uh, chipped wood really brings the, the, the second type of carbon. This one, which will definitely favor the fungal population, and uh, thanks to this type of uh, long chain carbon. The, the agro system will be able to make long-lasting humus. It, it will be my my conclusion on uh, on this uh, topic. Um, well, was it clear enough? Uh, yeah, no, definitely, it, it, it was very clear. And you know, I, I just feel like um, maybe some of the people hearing this might think, yes, but I can also achieve similar results with for example, uh, certain types of cover crops or leaving the cover crops r- mature. Is, is, that, is that true? I mean, do we really... I'm just questioning sometimes if we really need to have the trees everywhere, if we really need to be doing ramiel wood chips with our trees, uh, you know, also to try and see the other side of agroforestry because it does require a big change in our practices. It requires a big change also in the economic um, or in, or in the, 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 the business plan of the farm. So... I'm just wondering, is it also, 
Can we still achieve our agroecological objectives without the tree? Yes, um, of course, uh, we, we can have the, this uh, thought and uh, it makes sense also. And I think we can, we can absolutely. Uh, but then the objective will not be the same uh, about the cover crops. Uh, so first, the, the main crop itself, you have to keep the crop residues, which are mature, the straws, uh, the, 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 the stalks, the corn stalks, uh, and so on. You have to keep them. Don't sell them. Don't uh, uh, try to, to make money, I don't know, <laughs> with, with all these crop residues. Keep them. They have mm -hmm. more value than only the P and the, the K they hold. They have a more, much more value than uh, uh, these uh, only two minerals. Uh, it, it's the first point. Secondly, we can still go further, but uh, considering the cover crops quite differently. That's what I did on my own farm. What I sought was not to produce as much biomass as possible, but I looked very much at the time. I had before the next crop. And I just looked at uh, this time and then decided which cover crop could go mature, goes mature, uh, reach the maturity mm -hmm. before I had absolutely to destroy it, to uh, chop it or uh, mm -hmm. to uh, spray it uh, with, with uh, glyphosate, you know. Uh, I, I tried not to use glyphosate, <laughs> just to, but sometimes when necessary, I used it. Uh, <laughs> okay, I I uh, end the, I close the bracket. <laughs> um, so the main indicator is not how much, but which maturity on which quality I will be able to reach be before the next crop. And then I will make everything possible so that the fungal population is there. I have just to add this because it's so important. So many people, so many farmers fear there is uh, an hunger uh, for nitrogen if the cover crop is too mature that they say, oh, the CN ratio is now uh, 30 or 40. I have absolutely to chop it, to, to, to hold it. We have this hunger only because there are no longer mushrooms in the soils. Just think of it. The, the, in the forest, you have trunks, you know, oak trunks and so on which are fallen on the, on the soil. No need, no hunger for nitrogen. Nothing. You, you, you have a small uh, shrubs, you have a small plants all, all around the, the trunks and the uh, leaves there on the branches. No hunger for nitrogen. No hunger. Why? 
because the fun goal population is there. And the fungi are absolutely wonderful because they are able to thrive on middles, uh, on gross middles, uh, uh, with CM ratio of up to four, uh, uh, one, four, uh, one to four thousand. That is to say, one part nitrogen for four thousand part carbon. And why are they able to do it? Uh, just because they have mycelium. Because they transport, they carry nitrogen from, from their dead tissues towards the new cells uh, mm. of the myceliums. So they recycle it regularly. And so they are not in competition with crops to do it, whereas a bacteria needs absolutely nitro nitrogen, but it is not able to transfer it to its colleagues, to the other uh, bacteria. And they have a, a, such a powerful metabolism that they deprive the crops from uh, the, the, the nitrogen. So it's not an hunger for nitrogen, it's an hunger for mushrooms, what we observe. So we can absolutely do a very, very good job without wooden chips if we take care of the maturity of cover crops and we take care of, of course, not to spray too many fungicides in the fields. Of course, Naturally. fungicides <laughs> kill fungi. Mm. <laughs> Mushrooms. Uh, so, <laughs> and if the straw uh, is full, the, the wheat straw is full of fungicides, of course, only slowly the bacteria will be able to do the job. So there is a competition with crops and so on and so on. And of course, it's a vicious circle, you know, and my advice is always, I tell all my clients, please, if you could not to spray the last fungicide on your weeds, uh, barleys and so on, it would be wonderful. It's still acceptable uh, for the first or the second spray, but the last is absolutely a disaster because we have... Uh, uh, of course, uh, many residues uh, in the straw, uh, fungicide uh, residues. And so the, the fungal population can't uh, do its job properly. Yeah. So uh, th Very that was my short answer to your long question. <laughs> no, I think... Um... I, I, you know, I, I don't want to take much more of your time. We could uh, keep discussing these uh, these issues and break things down much more. Um, and you know, as as a concluding remark, I think it's it's interesting to observe the the natural ecosystems and to understand, you know, when the trees have got the leaves out, when they are um, harvesting the mineralization that's happening during the summer, what they're doing with that biomass, you know, they're producing lignin. And the same thing with the grasses, grasslands as well, uh, the perennial grasslands, which 
which is where our ecosystems always tend towards perennity. And also, you know, they are producing lignin, they are producing, or at least uh, cellulose um, and complex carbon molecules that are difficult to, to break down, favoring a fungal life. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that um, you've been able on your operation and through your clients and your company as well to be, to be practicing biomimicry. Um, so yeah, uh, I really appreciated your, uh, the, the conversation. It was really interesting and, um, with yeah. pleasure yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, with uh, wood behind you, yeah, it's a really pleasure to, to speak about LinkedIn, uh, trees and yeah. cetera <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a wooden, uh, wall uh, behind, behind you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to check out all of the links below so you can find out about Francis's book and the company that he works with, or he, the company that he owns. And um, as well, you can check out our website, get more information. And if you feel like donating to help us help us out, don't hesitate. You can go on our, on our webpage and all the links are there for you to very easily donate and, um, and help us keep going with this podcast. 